You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Matt Nagy is open to giving up play calling duties, but don't expect any drastic changes after just one loss to the Los Angeles Rams. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Locked On Bears is brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season is already so much different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi. Made for football watching. On the show today, we will discuss Matt Nagy's play calling, the successes and failures he's had along the way, and potential replacement options and the different dynamics that go into maybe giving up that responsibility. Then we'll dive into the All-22 tape from the Bears' loss to the Rams and look at why this offense struggled to get going and what the offensive line issues seem to keep coming back to before turning our attention to this defense and how things fell apart, particularly in the third quarter. It's really easy to sit at home and watch the Chicago Bears' offense struggle and instantly blame the play calling because, yes, The plays being called aren't technically working. You're not seeing points put up. You're not seeing enough yards. You're not seeing enough completions. You're not seeing enough successful running plays. And therefore, by definition, the called plays are not producing at the level that you would like to see plays called on offense ultimately end up producing. But I also think it's not as simple as saying, therefore, the play calling is bad because it's more complicated than that. Execution is a factor in offensive success. You can call the best play or the perfect play for a certain situation in the whole world, but if your offensive line can't block or your quarterback can't deliver the throw or your receiver can't get open or your receiver can't catch the ball, there's some steps along the way there that prevent even the best play call from properly producing the intended results. And so I'm always a little bit hesitant to completely throw the play calling under the bus. But the longer this Bears offense struggles and the more tape we get to watch of this offense, the more we can find flaws in the play calling and look at some of the situational decisions that Matt Nagy makes and have some criticism and some valid questions about whether or not he should continue in that role with the Bears' offense struggling. Even Nagy himself isn't that opposed to the idea of letting offensive coordinator Bill Lazor or somebody else take over the play-calling duties. I always um, I look at all that, and, and uh, that's the very first thing that I look at is that. And so I, I talk to our coaches, and we talk through that, that whole process. And um, 
I, I am, I'm really honestly not opposed to there. There's, there's no um, opposition from me if we feel like that that's what the issue is. Um, and, and so we, we look at that uh, right now where we're at um, that's, that's not where we think it's at, but at the same point in time, I'm going to, I'll always uh, continue each week to look at it. I mean, I'll say this too, when you're in a little bit of a rut, like we are a lot of bit of a rut, like we are right now, um, you have to look at everything. And sometimes even if it's just a little bit of a change somewhere too, uh, you have to, you have to be able to do that. Um, no, no one here, coach and or player has too big of an ego to think that um, it's not them, right. As a player or a coach. So we just, we talk through those, those kind of decisions and uh, you know, we just keep evaluating and rolling and, and seeing where we're at. It's fair to question how open and honest of a conversation it is between Nagy and his coaching staff. I mean, if you think about you and your job, would you feel comfortable telling your boss that, hey, you know, I think it's your decision making that's the problem here? You know, if you're one of the Bears assistant coaches, I can see where you might be a little bit hesitant to say, yeah, Matt, maybe you should give up the play calling considering he's the guy in charge. So I think some skepticism is welcome there, but I think it's also sometimes a little bit too convenient to say, well, play calling is the problem and switching to an offensive coordinator like Bill Lazor is just automatically going to fix that. Cause I don't know that that purely fixes, you know, having a backup center and a backup left guard and really average at best players elsewhere on the offensive line and having a quarterback miss some open throws downfield. It's a lot more complicated than just play calling. And that's not to excuse Matt Nagy in these situations, but one of the things I keep coming back to is, like, we do see open receivers. I mean, we had Darnell Mooney wide open on a couple of deep throws that Nick Foles missed. You see Anthony Miller running open on a few throws as well, and uh, Allen Robinson. And it's not as simple as, well, if there's open receivers, then that means the play call was good. Because what I think we're starting to see in this Bears offense is that, like, with Matt Nagy's system, if everything works the way it's supposed to, the system works. If the quarterback is accurate and the offensive line has time to throw, there are going to be open receivers, and like that would work. This offense is built to work if everyone does their job. But the issue with Matt Nagy that we're seeing with this play calling is that he hasn't been good enough at adapting his offense when he has players that aren't capable of doing their job consistently enough. Before, it was Mitch Trubisky, and he was unable to properly adapt his offense to a quarterback that couldn't fully operate the system now he's struggling to adapt his offense to an offensive line that's struggling to give his quarterback and his running back enough space and time to do what they're supposed to do and that's where you wonder if maybe a different play caller could better adapt to their personnel struggles and it's really I think the difference between a great play caller and a great head coach and maybe just a good or average play caller and head coach that's still been able to get to five and two this season so far Again, I'm trying not to overreact to one game against the Los Angeles Rams, but after looking through the All-22 tape in particular, it was not an encouraging showing from really very many players at all on offense, in addition to Matt Nagy. We'll dive into that coach's tape and try and identify some of the major issues and recurring themes next on Locked On Bears. Matt Nagy needs to get all the different parts of his offense really running in sync again. And nobody knows more about getting the right parts in place 
than our friends at rockauto.com. It's a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years with a huge catalog of everything you could possibly need from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. I love how easy it is to navigate their online catalog. You just enter in your car's make and model, and you can quickly see everything they have available for your vehicle, and then sort by the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. And that last part is particularly important to me because a lot of the chain stores will have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody. So don't spend up to twice as much for the same parts. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com I totally understand all the frustration with Matt Nagy's play calling. Although I do feel like there's no guarantee that Bill Lazor or any of the other offensive coaches are instantly going to be a clear upgrade there, given, I guess, some of their track record in previous offenses. It's not like there's just like a perfect solution waiting there on your on your coaching staff. I mean, it's there, there's there's going to be some question marks kind of all over, around. And it does go beyond just the play calls, like I said. It, it comes down to execution in some ways. And it didn't feel like the Bears were getting much of that, which I still blame on the coaching staff, but it's a different argument to say the play calling is bad versus the actual coaching that the players are receiving because some of that comes down to their position coaches. Like this Bears offensive line, and don't forget the general manager in this discussion as well, but we saw across the board five players play poorly, all five-year starters, plus Sam Mustafer coming off of the bench for Cody Whitehair, expectations were pretty low for him, and he met those about how you might expect. Like, Charles Leno trying to run block against Michael Brockers was just awful. I mean, he was just awful at at the left tackle spot. Didn't really get any kind of push up front. Couldn't just, you know, sometimes in some of these zone rushing plays, you don't even necessarily have to, like, move him four yards in either direction. You just have to pick a side. You know, if if he's going to go left, take him left and let him go left so your running back can then go right or vice versa, but it seemed like Leno, and this was true for some of the other players as well, but Leno against Brockers, he never had a control on him in either direction. It was always kind of a two-way go where the lineman could go pretty well wherever he wanted, and Leno was unable to control him in one way or another. And We saw Matt Nagy try and help his offensive line, try and do some things to limit the Rams' pass rush. We saw some rollouts early on, some play action, but even those rollouts, you know, as much as it's designed to help, it doesn't help when guys are still able to just knife through your offensive line and get a free run of the quarterback regardless. Like we saw Aaron Donald do that a couple times, and it wasn't always Rashad Coward at the left guard spot. Sometimes it was Jermaine Effetti and Cody Whitehair. I mean, splitting double teams on these rollouts and just running straight through. Like, guys could barely get a hand on him. And it comes down to, like, well, where's... First of all, where's the coaching? But then second of all, where is the talent? Like, we knew coming into the season, the Bears had poor offensive line depth. It was one of the risks... Ryan Pace was running this season. And even now, like, you don't have 
other options. You're not going to bench Charles Leno for Jason Spriggs. Jason Spriggs is not has not proven himself to be a consistent quality starting caliber offensive tackle in the NFL. He can fill in in a pinch if you need him to, but his time in Green Bay was ugly quite a bit. And your backup guards right now are Alex Bars and Arlington Hambright that have like a game of NFL experience between them. And then your backup center, Sam Mustafer had made his first NFL snaps after Cody Whitehair got hurt. Like you just don't have backups you can rely on on this 53-man roster right now. Like Bobby Massey got his ass kicked by Leonard Floyd all game. I mean, you saw like the big sacks that Leonard Floyd had, but there were other plays that weren't sacks where Nick Foles got rid of the ball where Floyd just took his lunch a couple of different times, not only in the passing game, but in the running game too. But you don't feel like you really have any options uh, for a change at the tight, at the offensive tackle position. Because like the Bears, especially early on in the first half there, Matt Nagy was going tight hand heavy on offense. I mean, there were one and two tight ends quite a bit. We saw a lot of Cole Clement early on. They kind of got away from that once the the deficit on the scoreboard started to grow a little bit. But it was clear that they were trying to be physical, not only getting extra blockers in there to help Nick Foles. We did see David Montgomery play a career-high number of pass-blocking snaps, being able to stay in and try and help on Aaron Donald in the middle, but that didn't do a whole lot of good overall. But even the tight ends just weren't able to be physical enough. The offensive line on the interior couldn't hold up. And the play action, even though... It did help some. Nick Foles was at his best in play action. I think it was like 8 of 9 on play action throws. Even on third downs, he had a high completion percentage, but they were just short throws because the pressure was able to get there quickly. I thought from the start of the game, you know, having watched the coaches film, that Foles was getting rid of the ball even perhaps quicker than he needed to a little bit early and just really easily defaulting to that check down to the running back even before the pressure was going to get there. I wondered if... I don't know if afraid is the right word because I don't see Nick Foles as afraid, but clearly even feeling that pressure and the threat of that pressure, even sometimes when the pressure wasn't actually quite there, but it just felt like maybe it was about to get there. So at times I felt like that was a limiting factor. But again, if you could run the ball a little bit better and give him a little bit better time to throw, I'm not not ready to really blame Nick Foles individually for the loss because like, I don't know, you look elsewhere on the offense, and we saw Darnell Mooney torch Jalen Ramsey a couple times, double moves downfield. There were a couple, you know, we saw the two deep throws that Nick Foles missed to him, but there were other plays when he was running free and open downfield. We saw, uh, you know, those deep balls really kind of feel like the difference in those games, where if he hits the 95-yard touchdown to Darnell Mooney or a couple of those other deep shots, it's a totally different narrative that we have coming out of that game from quarterback inaccuracy some of that being under pressure, some of that not. Some of that's just timing and difficult. I mean, they're difficult throws, don't get me wrong, but if Fulce had hit those, like he hit Allen Robinson once, he hit, he threw a, a jump ball up there for Cole Komet that he came down with. You know, two of those deep catches go down as accurate passes instead of inaccurate passes. It changes the whole game. But at the end of the day, it comes down to like, well, Matt Nagy is scheming those guys open, but if the players can't execute, then you need your play caller to call plays that they can execute and clearly even though guys are getting open they haven't been able to do that because of the offensive line and the quarterback and the running game and all the other factors that we talked about so by the time the Rams were already up three touchdowns it felt like Nick Foles was pressing a little bit I mean not only those forced interceptions down towards the end of the game but even in the third quarter like he wasn't seeing the full field as well he was kind of 
I don't want to say staring down receivers, but certainly staring down areas of the field and not really going through his full progression anymore, just trying to get rid of the ball, trying to get that quick decision, trying to keep the offense moving, and it just it, it deteriorated as it went on as the whole kind of offense fell apart. But maybe at that point, things were already over. So again, I don't want to just rail on Nick Foles to that extent because the blame goes around in so many directions. I don't want to just put it on Matt Nagy. I don't want to just put it on the quarterback. The offensive line, I think, deserves the most of it. But again, maybe a top-tier head coach, a top-tier play caller can find ways to overcome poor offensive line play. But I don't know that you can overcome poor offensive line play and some inaccurate quarterbacking and some ineffective running and maybe at times ineffective receiving, although I don't think generally those guys tend to be the issue. By the end, the defense couldn't hold up its end of the bargain either. But having gone through the All-22 tape, I'm not necessarily concerned about that being a lingering issue as much as it felt like kind of a a one-time poor defensive performance from this unit. We'll take a closer look at some of their uncharacteristic mistakes next on Locked On Bears. If you still haven't tried Built Bars, you really shouldn't wait any longer because I really do mean it when I call them the world's best tasting protein bar. I've never had anything like it. They taste just like candy bars, but they've got all the macronutrients of a protein bar. We're talking 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 4 grams of sugar. But the caramel brownie flavor tastes like a Milky Way. The cookies and cream flavor, to me, tastes like a chocolate-covered marshmallow. I love the coconut flavor. I haven't had a flavor yet that isn't absolutely delicious. And you don't have to feel any guilt when you eat them. It sounds a little bit too good to be true, but trust me. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, locked on for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. We saw really an uncharacteristically poor performance from this Bears defense, not up to the quality we've been able to expect from them for really the last three, four seasons at this point. And I was curious going through the All-22 tape if this was going to be something where they had a a big flaw exposed that was just going to be detrimental to them for the rest of the season or whether this felt like it was going to be kind of a a one-off bad performance that they should be able to put behind them pretty quickly. And I do my best to avoid any confirmation bias as best I can in watching the All-22. Like I'm not just trying to look for the preconceived notions that I already have going into the game, but really trying to figure out, okay, on every given play, what went wrong and why, and then over the course of the game, see what kind of takeaways I can get from the collective plays that we see from the beginning to the end. And I I felt like it was such a different feeling than the Bears defense that we saw just last week against the Carolina Panthers. We talked right here on this very Locked on Bears podcast about, you know, against Carolina, it felt like the communication and execution from this Bears defense was as close to flawless as you can hope for in coverage on the back end, where everyone knew exactly where they needed to be and how to properly exchange routes and make the right reads based on the receivers and the quarterback. 
And it felt like most of that had kind of gone out the window against the Rams. I mean, give Sean McVay a lot of credit. They dress up their offense really well. They challenge your defensive principles. They kind of, you know, they'll watch the film, figure out what your defensive rules are, and really test them and make sure that everybody is on the same page. And they were not in Los Angeles for whatever reason. Quite different than what we had seen really through most of the first six games this season. It seemed like too often, you know, you'd see a break, a slight breakdown in coverage. There weren't those big, massive coverage busts where somebody's just walking away for 65 yards and a touchdown. But too often, usually in underneath coverage, you kind of have two players put in a difficult situation where somebody's got to cover this receiver, and one of them would would kind of. It would seem like one of them is assuming the other guy was going to get him, and the other guy would assume that the first guy was going to get him. And ultimately, neither one was quite where they needed to be in those situations, and it led to easier throws and easier catch-and-run situations than you'd like to see from the Rams. Or Sometimes they would kind of have a lot of things happening in front of them. They'd have a couple receivers moving by them and a lot of action in the backfield right away, and they'd either be too focused on one guy or just almost distracted by everything else the Rams are throwing at them to not quite be as sharp and quick reacting to what the offense was trying to do to them. And that extra second or two of delayed reaction time is enough to create that separation for Goff to have excellent timing in this game to hit his open receivers. Like you saw some of the different things the Rams would try and do, especially in those early drives where it just felt like McVay was coaching at another level and this defense was constantly on its heels and scrambling. You know, the Rams would come out of the huddle and snap it like two seconds and be like, huddle, line of scrimmage, snap. Like almost like a no huddle, like hurry up offense, but they would still huddle. But once they get out of the huddle, it's a hurry up from that point and the Bears defense is still trying to communicate based on where all the receivers are lining up. There was one big end around run, you know, handoff to Robert Woods that stood out to me where you had James Vaughters on the edge on that side of the field and he's like communicating to his inside linebackers to see him kind of turn to Trevathan and Roquan Smith and make some kind of arm gesture, like pointing them in a certain direction or at a certain player. We never know exactly what they're saying or what they're trying to communicate, but the Rams snapped the ball right in the middle of that communication. So you see Vaughters is like a second late to reacting to the snap at the same time as everybody, and you've already got Robert Woods in motion and getting the handoff, so he's got a head start getting to the edge. So you see Vaughters essentially blow the contain on that play because the Rams got it off quicker than he was expecting and quicker than the defense was expecting. So Woods is already able to get to the edge ahead of the outside linebacker, which is the first mistake. And then you see Eddie Jackson coming down from the safety spot, and he's staring at Goff in the running back, and he like steps into the box and is still looking at them as Robert Woods is like approaching four or five yards past the line of scrimmage with the ball. He's totally lost on the play. No idea that Woods has the ball until like Woods is running at him and Jackson is already well out of position. And that's so uncharacteristic from Eddie Jackson in particular, a player with elite instincts, a true playmaker. I don't mean I don't think we have to justify Eddie Jackson's resume up to this point, but for some reason against the Rams, there were just plays like that, not only from him, but a, a bunch of different guys in the defense where they're normally pretty solid, and for whatever reason, they were not all there in Los Angeles. So then on top of that, you add in an abnormal, seemingly abnormal amount of missed tackles. A lot of guys kind of stepping up in those runs, pick up an extra three, four, five, six yards because Daryl Henderson makes an extra guy miss. Or there was the bad Tayshawn Gibson missed tackle in the red zone that kind of led to an easy touchdown there plus the Bears' defensive penalties, plus 
just getting tired after having no support from the offense. Defense was on the field for a lot of snaps, not always getting a super long break in between. And we've seen over the years that this Bears defense can get tired out by the time you get to the third and the fourth quarter. And I think that's kind of how the Rams ultimately built the lead in this game. And you got to give McVay and Goff credit. I mean, a lot of play actions, some rollouts. Definitely pre-snap motion is a huge part of their offense. It neutralized a lot of the Bears' pass rush. Jared Goff had plenty of time to throw. They, you know, they were careful about getting some bodies on Khalil Mack and these Bears' other pass rushers to make sure Goff would have that time to throw. And then from there, this Rams' offense was built to slice and dice this defense the more time that the quarterback had to throw. Plus, you add in the Bears' struggles in the running game. And like we talked about a little bit yesterday, the All-22 tape just confirmed it for me that getting contained on any of those runs was a struggle and that Henderson, Brown, Woods, all the handoffs that they made, they could get to the outside and find a lot of extra yards to run. That was a problem. And I guess you got to give the Rams' offensive line some real credit there too because they were run-blocking well, they were pass-protecting well, they were well-schemed, the quarterback was accurate, the head coach was a step ahead of the Bears. And that all kind of adds up to a bad Bears defensive performance. But it didn't seem like the kind of stuff that I'm super concerned about happening over and over again moving forward. It felt like a bad mix of, you know, a good scheming head coach across from them, a pretty good running team, a very good offensive line, one of the better offensive line the Bears have played all season, and then just having an off day. I mean, the Bears can't be stellar every single game on defense. You're going to have those struggling performances and it all kind of added up to this, I don't want to say a perfect storm, because th- that almost excuses too much of it. They have to be better. I mean, it's some of it is self-inflicted, definitely, and you just need the guys to play better. But you can expect that to happen every once in a while, and I wouldn't expect it to happen week in and week out. They are going to be tested for the next couple of weeks, really entering this tough portion of the Chicago Bears schedule. But we'll be keeping a close eye on all of these opponents, previewing them and making sure that you're ready for game day each and every Sunday here on Locked on Bears. So make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast to keep up with all of our daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Tomorrow we will have crossover Thursday with Ross Jackson from Locked on Saints. And barring any big Bears breaking news on Friday, we will put together a game plan for the Bears to try and get back on track against New Orleans. So plenty more great Bears talk coming your way. I hope you'll keep following along with us. Appreciate everybody who tunes in each and every day, or even if you just tune in every once in a while. I love you too. Don't worry. There's plenty of love to go around and still plenty of reasons to bear down.